watching all movies with Rebecca and Jason. Are you gonna love them or hate them? Here comes the binge. Hey everybody, welcome to The Binge, in which a couple of homos review the latest movie theater releases. I'm Jason Leroy. And I'm Rebecca Olarte, and today we have three movies for you. A Star is Born, The Old Man and the Gun, and Matagi Maya M.I.A. And as always, we're going to rate these movies on a three-tiered scale, with Binge It being our highest rating. Consuming moderation means it's okay, but it's kind of meh. And send it back means... Life is too short for that mess. Jason, it's been once again a minute. How have you been? Well, thank you for asking. It has been a minute. Uh, We intended to do an episode last week, but we were filled by some technical difficulties. I have had three computers break on me this year. I mean, it feels like it's just you. You know, you would think. Yeah. So the first one in this year that that uh, broke was um, because the n and the b key weren't working like it would i would type you know, like a word that ends in n and uh, like i like a sentence like i hate jason sure and then um uh, it would it would put like an n and then it would be like a space and there'd be like two n's and so i dealt with that for a really long time and just like attached an external keyboard to my desk and like it just didn't i needed to get it changed so i changed that one out and if you Google it, it actually is an issue with the the MacBook keyboards. Yeah, it's an issue with every person who hates a Jason that are alive, who mm-hmm. when they get to the end of that little word, they just hit the end so hard, like, so hard. Um, Everyone end, that knows you has the same problem. But the end just breaks. The good news this time, at least, is that we didn't have any taped episodes that have gone missing. Or, or conveniently been informed to me had gone missing, but in fact may still exist somewhere. So that, yeah, that last one, uh, I was able to hook up an external monitor. That's and, right. And do the last minute editing of the show. And then I traded it in for a new computer. Yes. Uh, and thank you for doing that. Without that, you all would not have heard our thoughts on um, whatever the hell we talked about in the last episode. When was episode. the last one? La La Land? I don't know. <laughs> it may have been. And if you remember, Rebecca and I both loved it. <laughs> um so uh what's up with me well i just got back from uh, a long weekend in new york nice. uh, my second cross-country flight in about two weeks and you know what i don't need more i don't need more uh it's not a fun thing to uh to fly from one side of the country to the next but i've oh. done it a few times now and i'm gonna go ahead and take a little break I was going to uh, to spend some time with two friends of the show, people who've co-hosted with us in the past, uh, Andrew and Lindsay. Mm-hmm. Uh, technically, I was there uh, for Andrew's bachelor weekend, um, but uh, our friend Lindsay is having a tough time right now with some health stuff, and so we greatly reduced the rate of what they had initially planned and, um, and just kind of had this one long marathon day around Brooklyn and Manhattan, uh, just sort of, you know, just having as much fun as we could. And, uh, and it was all told, you know, a fun time. Um, you know, there were some things that happened that sort of brought out a nightmare in me personally. Ooh, uh, did someone ask you to do ketamine? Uh, no, no. I mean, I, I, I'm sure at a certain point in the day I would have just been like, sure. Uh, <laughs> no, no, those are San Francisco, um, you know, gay sex street fair weekend problems. Mm, you know, that's what it was here while you were gone. It was, uh, it was San Francisco it was gay full. sex street fair weekend. It's true. It was fulsome and I missed it. Um, well, in your in your absence, I did a shit ton of ketamine. Oh, good. I'm just climbing out of that K hole right now. You know, this is this is what co-hosting a show means. Uh, it's it's picking up slack the other sometimes, just being like, I'm gonna, I'm going to be an ambassador in your place. I wasn't even going to say anything, but you know. well, um, I know that your modesty usually wins out. And thank you, I thank you for for claiming this victory. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so yeah, so I think things first started to go astray um, at karaoke. 
uh, mm. as they usually do, because my ego always gets involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, so that's when my edge first began to develop, and then, uh, and then it kind of uh, went into um, a calm, recessed place for a while. But then at dinner, uh, so at this point, in the dinner um, we had started things going around eleven o'clock Saturday morning. And then we went to um, a brunch, and then we went to karaoke for a few hours, and then we went to a, um, a wine and cheese tasting pairing class, um, and then we Whoa. went to the Cubby Hole, famed sure. uh, lesbian bar, and then we went back into Brooklyn to go to this fancy like prefix dinner. And um, I was seated across from a gentleman, a white gay male, such as myself, who I had met just a few hours prior, who I thought I was getting along with. Uh, and then we were talking about movies. I'm not even sure how it came up. Oh boy! But uh, but uh, somebody was talking about uh, Crazy Rich Asians, and uh, and he uh, said, "Well, you know, I just think this whole representation thing really kind of just doesn't matter. I really don't think it does. I think it's just this kind of made up thing." So, um, and he said this <clears throat> with like a woman sitting next to him and a woman sitting across from him, and then I was diagonal from him. And so I began to try to draw out what it was that he was saying. You're so good at that. And I try. <laughs> I feel like I can imagine your response, and I'm sure it was very like, well, what makes you think that that's the case? Yeah, and my, I would be like, what the fuck are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, I was like, now why would you, when, so when you say that, what do you mean? You're and uh, so measured. And he's like, well, I just mean like, if America is like 50% white, then it makes sense that movies are going to be majorly white. Like, everyone just needs to accept that there are numbers in place. It's about numbers. Oh, he's an analyst. Yeah, apparently he works in numbers. Uh, oh, so uh, so I was like, okay, well, even he's like, let's say it's like 50% white, 20% black, 20% Hispanic. Like, let's say if it's that, then like, of course, most movies are going to be about white people. And I was like, okay, but but even by the numbers that you just used, movies are not only 50% white, mm-hmm. right? Um, and he's like, well, yeah, but how about like Wonder Woman? And I'm like, what about Wonder Woman? He's like, it wasn't even that good. What? He's like, he has this whole thing. Like, oh, woman's directing it. And he's like, I didn't think it was that good. I thought the actress who played her was bad. And it's just sort of like, okay, well, maybe the issue is that this is just not the quality. The quality just isn't there. And This motherfucker. So I'm just like sitting there and I'm like looking to like the women see it across and next to me. And like neither of them is saying a goddamn word. Mm. Ladies. And, uh, and did you say ladies get information? Yeah, I, I was so flabbergasted. Uh, and so I just tried to like, you know, keep just, you know, debating him um, on these like sort of horrific things. And I was like, well, he's like, yeah, he's like, isn't it possible that like the reason that most directors are male? Because uh, I was like, well, for instance, um, women are half of all humankind. But they make up approximately, like, usually 5% or so of the directors of major studio movies any given calendar year. So, like, there are some more numbers. And he's just like, well, yeah, but isn't that possibly just because women don't want to be directors? Like, it's possible, right? It's just like dinner with Milo? (laughs) It may have been. It may have been Milo, come to think of it. Um, Not a strong vote of confidence for Andrew's New York friends, I gotta tell you. So he is, yeah, so he's like, well, yeah, it's just like, he's like, there are jobs that attract certain, like, genders. And, oh, my God. And maybe a director is just not a job that attracts women. And, you know, and he's like, and yeah, you have all these, like, male directors because they're making movies that people like. Oh, my God. And so they make these movies and, uh, you know, and then studios hire them to direct these big movies. And I was like, well, 
you know, something about that. Uh, I'm like, well, here's an example of kind of the way it always happens, um, which is that you have men who make movies that are admitted to Sundance. And then the men who are the powerful men, the men who run Hollywood, see those men and like you're, are like, you look like me. I'm going to hire you to come and like direct this big tent pole. I'm like, for example, there's the Colin Trevorrow example where he was mm. at Sundance with Safety Not Guaranteed. Um, and then he was just summoned up to direct the Jurassic Park reboot. Um, I'm like Patty Jenkins, who directed Wonder Woman, literally directed an Oscar-winning movie, Monster, in 2003, and it took her 14 years to be given the opportunity to direct a major studio movie uh, because there's just not a system in place to advance women uh, in Hollywood in that same way. Did and, he know you know, knew so much about movies um, going into this argument? I don't know if he did, but he was not phased in the slightest. He was just like, Neh. he was like, that's anecdotal. And I'm like, and, 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 and the things, the assumptions you're making are not, I mean, they're assumptions. You're saying like, and they're also offensive assumptions. Yeah, wow. I'm like, yeah. Uh, and, uh, and it was just, and he was like, nah. he was like, yeah, I just don't think so. And, uh, and again, I'm just like looking at these women. I'm just like, are you going to save any fucking thing at all? And, uh, cause it's again, that thing where you're just like, am I overly sensitive? I think this came up in one of our things a few episodes mm-hmm, ago where mm-hmm. I'm just like, is it me? Um, no, oh. it's not Jason. <laughs> well, because it even came up in like. You know, I, I fought with a coworker at TIFF this year over this movie that I thought was like super, super offensive. You had a TIFF. I had a TIFF at TIFF. I had a TIFF mm. TIFF. Um, and uh, and you know, is this movie called Poppy Chulo? Um, that oh right, yeah, that is about uh, this you know wealthy white man in LA who um, hires a Mexican day laborer and then pressures him into a series of romantic situations. Um, and to me, was like a wildly misconceived story mm. that never acknowledges the power imbalance never acknowledges the vulnerability of an undocumented mexican day laborer jesus christ um, is it a comedy uh it's meant to, it's play out like romantic comedy oh my god um and uh, the mexican day it's it's horrifying and I, I watched it with a co-worker and then he walked out of it and texted our whole group thread and was like poppy chulo is fantastic well you were standing next to him um i was seated behind him <laughs> and uh and i was like Oh, and then he's he's like, oh, what do you think? And and this and this guy happens to be uh, uh, Puerto Rican, and so uh, and I was like, ooh, I'm like, I didn't really like it. He's like, why? And I was, he like, was like, racist, and he walked away. Exactly. I was like, I kind of felt like a Me Too story that was being framed as like a whimsical romantic comedy. And he's like, what the fuck are you talking about? And I just like break down. I'm just like, well, it's this, this, and this, and this is power imbalance. And there's, you know, the, the the day laborer doesn't speak English, and he's basically taken as like this like weird romantic captive for a series of days, and um, you know, and he was like, you're crazy, and you're looking for something to be angry about, and the fact that I am Latino and you are white, and you're telling me that this is offensive toward Latinos is rich. Wow. Guys. I'll be the judge of that. <laughs> <laughs> you like to be clear. You're like, I am the judge, and that's what matters. Um, you like, don't ask Sol; she doesn't count. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I, I think that you know what? It's funny. He just treated you like a woman. <laughs> um, so welcome to the revolution. Like, you think it's you? You're doubting yourself. You think right. you're being hysterical and oversensitive. Hashtag believe women and Jason. <laughs> And that's why Amy Schumer got arrested today. Exactly. Thanks, Ames. <laughs> um, yeah. It's uh, it's an ugly world out there, isn't it? It's tough. And you know who made me this way? You. Aw, yay. <sighs> Which I mean as much as a, as, as a dig, as a, as a compliment. I'm like, the reason that I am this way is I'm just trying to get ahead of the things you're going to say whenever we talk <laughs> about any given movie. 
and you're furiously setting Twitter every day to figure out what that's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> so it's really a vicious cycle. It really is. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, I stand by those points of view. But, man, it's not... Sometimes you wish you could just be this person who's just like, oh, yeah, it's just, a, just, a, just an easy good time. I'd always rather be upset than look stupid. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's interesting. An interesting, interesting dichotomy um, between being and aware... And by stupid, and I mean, stupid. you know, not empathetic and uh, <laughs> not human. But really... Stupid. Also stupid. Also stupid. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. Um, so how did how did you get out of that? What happened with the rest of the night? We like, so you, so you slept together. Yeah, and so we had a wild night. Um, <laughs> you know, like I, I won't that lie. Meet cute. The thought did cross my mind that like there's only one way to like end this well. <laughs> um, but uh, but no, uh, we I think you know somebody came over and sat down next to us, and then the conversation just moved to a different direction. And then I kind of like, I want, I still just want to be so respectful. And so I, I kind of like later was like, Hey, you know, like no hard feelings. Like I really, you know, appreciate that we were able to have a debate and go back and forth. And he's just kind of looking at me like, okay, sure. And then, um, <sighs> and then Andrew went to him later and was like, so what was up with that conversation you and Jason were having? And the guy was like, Oh, I don't know. I just like to be contrary. It was Milo. <laughs> <laughs> fucking asshole it was tough it was tough um and uh and yeah and uh and it was super super Mm. unpleasant and then yeah and then from there we just like went to another bar that's allegedly owned by bill murray's son and then yet to another bar metropolitan a gay bar in brooklyn and that is where i just turned into like a screaming mess um because it was just nice it's a thing where you're drinking for at that point i've been drinking for about 12 solid hours and um and like in all these like all the various like sort of um you know, stimuli that I had been absorbing mm-hmm. throughout the day had just like reached this like boiling point. And, um, and then I became unpleasant on Andrew's big day. Oh no. How unpleasant is unpleasant. <laughs> oh, I was, I was just like, just everything I said, I was screaming and, uh, yeah. Okay. I know what that is. Yeah. And, um, and I, and basically what had happened was we were there with Andrew and his sister, Emily. And, um, and then I had a friend of mine show up um, because I was like, oh, I'm in this bar around the corner from your place. Come see us. So he shows up and is seeing this guy who was an outsider to this whole day I had just had and also a guy oh. who I know completely out of it. It was such a release for me that in that moment I was like, I have a whole day's worth of stuff that I need to tell this guy just happened. Um, and also mm. to like, you know, just kind of like regain my equilibrium somehow after spending this whole day with people I don't really know. Um, and so I just commenced to scream at this guy all the things that happened during andrew's bachelor party day in front of andrew and it was poor form um and um and so the next day i apologized and he made fun of me for wearing the uh the where's waldo shirt that i'm wearing right now yeah you really are wearing it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh so but yeah so it was uh all told just a long weekend but a lot of great memories were made from it <laughs> that probably sounds um disingenuous after what i've just said but I, you know no it was it was a good time and, uh, and you were just being contrary <laughs> apparently um and then he's going to be getting married uh out here in just a few weeks and i will have to see all those people again oh nice is that is that is that conversation guy gonna be here oh yeah want me to want me to bring, bring you around. in <laughs> bring him around <laughs> you want to be there dressed as a shrub in the background of the wedding <laughs> like that shrub's inching closer and closer <laughs> it's beating that guy <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, uh, anyway, so that's what's up with me, Rebecca. What's up with you? Oh, you know, not much. Um, where to even start? Nothing really. Um, <laughs> where to start? <laughs> Nowhere with literally anything. I don't have anything. So, um, one of the movies that I uh, was able to see before the 
the technical mishap was the um, Sisters Brothers mm-hmm. um, with uh, John C. Riley. This, this would have been on last week's episode. Mm-hmm. Wow, that was just a week ago. Isn't that crazy? Well, I guess it would have been two weeks ago that I saw it, right? No, no, we no saw, a week you, ago. You saw yeah. it last Monday. Yeah, that's time. <laughs> I was like, in 2014, right? Is that what I mean? <laughs> Uh, Joaquin Phoenix, uh, John C. Riley. Who else is in it? Oh, Jake Gyllenhaal, Riz Ahmed. Um, mm-hmm. And it was a shame that we didn't get to review it um, because I, I really enjoyed that movie. Yeah. That was a that was a shocker. It's an aggressive, um, violent, vulgar mm-hmm. movie. Yeah, that's also beautiful. Yeah, um, and that really really takes you on a ride um, in a way that I feel like um, movies haven't in a while hmm. and maybe it's like a it's a feeling that i associate more with being younger of of really having no idea what's going to happen you know not playing that game where you're going to guess what happens next very much mm-hmm. and maybe that's also um a quality of the the characters um that you kind of get sucked in in a way where you're not you know kind of observing it so much uh riz ahmed is a beautiful man he is a beautiful man who is so captivating when he speaks in this movie yeah <clears throat> no, he is. Um, yeah, I was surprised that you liked this as much as you did. I think I think our friend Ingu did as well. I think she she posted about her own surprise oh, really? that she enjoyed it as much as she did. Um, do you want to give the listeners a little taste of what yeah. it's about? So you have um, the sisters brothers, which is Joaquin Phoenix and John C. Riley, and they're two brothers who are basically like mercenary um, assassin type cowboys in the old west in the old west and gold um, rush era they're sent by the their boss to go capture this guy and they they, they just kind of do transactional work right like go you know find someone and kill them and they work with um jake gyllenhaal's character who kind of is like the the reconnaissance he goes ahead he like finds the subject and so that's kind of where we you, you start out with them um going on this new caper and they're trying to find the character who is uh, Riz Ahmed and um, they're not exactly sure why and then you're sort of taken into the perspective of Jake Gyllenhaal's experience with him and and they they form this friendship and and it turns out that that his character has this incredible money-making scheme and that's why their boss wants wants them to get him and uh, it it's a it's a bit of a shootout it's a bit of a uh, story of, of brothers of family um, of unexpected friendships uh, so they, anyway, they follow him from, you know, like Oregon down to San Francisco and it kind of becomes this slow moving chase mm-hmm. on horseback. Well, it feels very much like a kind of like a Coen Brothers-y mm. kind of movie in a way. Yeah. Yeah. It's a uh, very, very dialogue heavy, mm-hmm. which is also kind of unexpected for for a Western. You kind of imagine like a lot of tight lipped, um, but it's it's very emotional um, and it, it really takes like the third act takes an unexpected turn. It does. Yes. That's incredibly moving. Very and surprising I climax. was so surprised at how how moved I was by it. How sad how sad it made me. How mm. happy it made me. Um, there are some really graphic scenes. There are. I feel like it's not graphic in like a Quentin Tarantino like no. explosive way. It's not really like gratuitous. A, it mm. just kind of is hard hitting at times and just kind of keeps the audience on their toes and, and kind of you know perks you up a little like oh my god. Um, you know, and then that's, that's what happened to some people. And for me, that's what happened when Carol Kane came out in the final act that, oh, right. That right. made the whole movie for me. Uh, it's directed by Jacques Audiard is his first English language film. He's a French director who's won the Palme d'Or in the past for mm. a movie called, uh, Deepon. And, um, I would say like my one thing watching it was, I just thought that maybe he isn't quite conversant in the rhythms of English language humor. Like, hmm. so I felt like it was all there on like the performances, but I wasn't, I didn't think that necessarily like, the editing and pacing and flow of it really like had that 
just that flow, the, just the rhythm of humor, because mm-hmm. it, it so clearly was there in like the text. Um, and so, uh, but uh, but I don't think that that like by any means like wrecked it. I, I, I it, it is a very, it's almost kind of like it was like your first fall movie this year. It was like the first yeah. thing you're like, you're like, oh, look, like a quality movie. Right, exactly. Holy shit. And like they still make them. Through and through. Yeah. Uh, the look, the feel, the sound, the acting. Um, yeah, it felt like a, a time at the movies. <laughs> and truly some of the best actors in, uh, in the world. Yeah. Um, you know, actors who generally just do everything right with uh, with their performances, all four of them. Yeah, it really, it really is. It's just so shockingly emotional. Yeah, I, I, I don't remember getting emotional myself, but we know how I am. So, uh, husk of a man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you calling me husky? <laughs> <laughs> I said, <laughs> no, <I'm> <laughs> because not. that's triggering for me. So it's felt. Um. Yeah. No. So that is, uh, guys. That would have been our pick of the week last week. The Sisters Brothers. Uh, Rebecca. It is her favorite film of the fall so far. Fair to say. Yeah. Definitely. And also first. Um, <laughs> <laughs> So the movies this week, shall we? Let's do it. The first one we have is A Star is Born. Seasoned musician Jackson Maine discovers and falls in love with struggling artist Allie. She has just about given up on her dream of becoming a singer when Jackson coaxes her into the spotlight. But as Allie's career takes off, the personal side of their relationship breaks down as Jackson fights an ongoing battle with his demons. Let's just get this right out of the way. This movie stars Lady Gaga. This movie is, I guess, a musical. This movie is a remake of classic cinema so i'm just gonna hand the reins over to you jason oh no this is the only other one you've seen this week (laughs) (laughs) i know no i'll I'll have things to say i'll chime in uh so yeah probably is definitely one of the most anticipated movies of the year no uh you try again um and uh so yeah this is a movie that i saw at tiff and uh and you know i think yeah we were all super super excited to see it and because uh, I think there's there's any time that there is, um, you know, a pop star mm-hmm. or anyone like that tries something new, there's just that kind of, you know, very intense inter- uh, curiosity to be like, how did they do? Mm-hmm. Because, yes, did Lady Gaga come into this movie already a Golden Globe winning actress? Sure. For what? Does American Horror Story Hotel. Oh, uh-huh. Does any reasonable person think she deserved to win that Golden Globe? And that she didn't mm. just win it because the Hollywood Foreign Press are a bunch of star fucking sick events. No one thinks that. Um, <laughs> no one thinks she deserved to win over like the like incredible actresses who were nominated against her that year. But it did gave us the, um, you know, it gave us a gift that keeps on giving, which is the gift of Lady Gaga bumping into Leonardo DiCaprio with her enormous hip pads um, <laughs> and Leo looking up in a very startled way um, as she maneuvered past him to go accept her acting award. <laughs> Um, so it's sort of like Gaga winning the Golden Globe for American Horror Story Hotel, um, was like when Obama won the Nobel Peace Prize, um, just for being elected, Mm. except not deserved. (laughs) (laughs) Put it that way. Uh uh Um, so, uh, yeah. And then she kind of stopped acting, um, for some time. And I think, I think we all had a sense that she had the ability because every time she was on SNL, she would usually be in some sketches and she had a very basic kind of presence that came through when she was on screen. So, and this was going to be just like a big meaty leading role and, um, cut to Tobias Funke. You can just taste those meaty leading man parts in my mouth right now. (laughs) That was Gaga out out there looking for work. So as you mentioned, this is the fourth star is born. Wow. Yeah, I know. Um, the first one was in the 30s, starring Janet Gaynor and Frederick March, and it was uh, actually one of the writing credits on it was Dorothy Parker, 
That mm. is how old it is. <laughs> then in uh, the 50s, we had the Judy Garland version, which is the best version. Then in the sure. 70s, we had the Barbara Streisand version, which no one in the right mind likes. Is that Chris Christopherson? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, your, your idol on all things masculinity, Mr. <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Mr. Christopherson. And now we have this one. So, uh, and I think, you know, this one is more of a continuation of the 70s one mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. any there. You're like, absolutely. I was just going to say that. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because, because, uh, uh, because like that one, you know, it takes place very much in like the modern music scene or what was the modern music scene in the 70s. Um, and, you know, we have these, you know, uh, sort of a country rock singer and then a pop star. And, um, and we have the dynamic of, you know, the guy is famous and then he sort of discovers this ingenue and then lifts her up into uh, the world of celebrity and she becomes super famous and takes off like a rocket while he begins to decline and crumble uh, in large part due to substance issues. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so, but this one, I think what it brings to, uh, the table is for one, I think Bradley Cooper's direction. Um, Interesting. I think he has a, I think he has a great eye. He really like, I feel like his, elect, his, his direction is very electric. It feels like it's, it's, you know, you're always aware of like the camera moving, but not in a distracting way. You can like, you know, he really does a lot of tight close-ups. Um, and there's just, there's, there's, it has this kind of charge to it. The whole thing I think has a charge to it. So I'm going to steal this from somebody. Um, I had just watched a movie and they described um, the direction of of the movie as very immersive. And I mm. noticed that in this one as well. Like, yeah. especially in the scenes where they're like on stage, like right. they really, it's very like first person POV feeling. Mm-hmm. And the camera is like, when it's not there, it's you're, you're, you're in the room with these people. Yes. You're moving through spaces with these people. Yes. Uh, yeah, no, I would agree. Uh, so I think he has a great touch in that sense. Uh, I think it also, it really feels like it was made with like an insider's understanding of what it means to be famous right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because, you know, I mean, Bradley Cooper is one of the most famous actors in the world and has been for a while. And of course, Gaga is Gaga. And so I feel like it's not a movie that keeps um, the audience at a distance from sort of like the realities of being inside the fame machine or the fame monster as Gaga might put it. So, uh, so I don't. (laughs) <laughs> so uh yeah so i think it has those things going for it uh do you want to jump in with anything at this point um i yeah i felt very um the scenes where they're at like the chateau marmont and there's like that huge poster of her that looks like an apple music poster i it felt does. like incredibly realistic i that was like billboard. this is a real thing that's happening this it, has really happened i think it 100 looked like an apple music billboard the with like the blue and the pink yep. kind of like that her name Allie. yeah I was like, I think I've been in this exact moment before. Yeah. Yeah. There's a certain verisimilitude uh, mm-hmm. to the whole thing. You're yeah. just like, yeah, this feels almost like a documentary. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, they have like a that Saturday Night Live performance. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it with really. Al- with Al Baldwin introducing her. Bl- blurs the line between. I mean, this, this is also not the right phrase, but it almost blurs the line between documentary and not. But it's but also not a documentary. Almost just like a first person. I don't know. Like vlogging. I, but it's like you're not. There's not. There's no like you know speaking of the camera action it just right. feels incredibly verite verite if yeah. you will i will you know what i did <laughs> i might again i still might uh yeah i know And there's also the question of like the original music like i feel like are we supposed to think that the songs that ali gaga makes once she gets famous are mm. are bad Yes. <laughs> because I played them for, um, we had Andrew and his fiance over here like a week ago and I was playing them the songs because I have them. And Outside of the um, context of the movie. Yes. 
and um and they were and it was it turned into a dance party they're like these are amazing nice he's like signer who is she yeah. <laughs> i'll represent her right yeah uh yeah there's it, the, the, it's 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 humorous it's humorous and gaga did have a hand in like writing all the all the songs that she sings mm-hmm. in the movie and there is also just the technical issue or the technical fact rather that they did record all of the songs live while they performed them Oh, really? They did. Interesting. Um, similarly to Les Mis, uh, the last Les Mis movie, where all the actors were singing live um, mm. as they were performing, and that those are the vocal performances you hear when you watch the movie. Interesting. So, uh, so that's also true here. I feel like at the end of the day, what's really what makes Star is Born so hard for me to get truly excited about. Ooh, let's get to it. Is just the fact that it is quite literally the fourth movie exactly like itself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with some differences, as I pointed out earlier. But overall, same story for the fourth time. It is quite literally, it is, it is the story. It is the like sort of foundational archetypal Hollywood story. A star is born. Like it's, you know, like just that, that phrase obviously is a massive cliche. Um, and, um, but it's cliche for a reason because it's been, mm. it's been the, 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 the Lexus of so many movies dating back to the literal beginnings of Hollywood. So, and I don't know that this movie ultimately did much with that other than just sort of faithfully recounted it, um, and tried to tell it with a bit more sort of emotional realism than mm-hmm. um than we've had in the past i think that like um so you'd mentioned that you didn't like the barbara streisand version and i don't know that everyone will go back and watch the judy garland version i think that it since the story continues to be true since that we were you know just talking about the verite of it and how that is still what if you know what you imagine to be like to be a celebrity right now that it's still a relevant story enough to tell again it'd be interesting to see it in in, in non-white um, not American point of view, right? Well, I think. And, and we do know that initially Beyonce was attached to play the character. I'm sorry, what? Yeah, Beyonce was attached to play this character at one point. Clint Eastwood was going to direct it. Yeah, that's, I, just, that's, I just got hit with a, a left and a right, and a real, I don't know how to feel. <laughs> gave her a real haymaker. You really did. Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. But that's a movie that we almost had. We almost had Clint Eastwood directing Beyonce in this movie. And Bradley Cooper? No. Well, I don't know if Bradley Cooper is going to play the lead or not. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, that was, that was like in the works at one point, like being reported on in the trades. Fuck, I hate this movie. <laughs> this movie is trash. Uh, wow. Um, so, but that's the thing though, like, even though the Star is Born, even though this actual story of Star is Born, um, is unique to the Star is Born movies in terms of, you know, this sort of like this one's going up and one's going down, like this is, there have been a million other movies that are also about sure. stars being born. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I mean. As I'm saying, like, this is like the one that kind of started it all mm-hmm, um, in mm-hmm. a way. It's a story that gets told and retold and retold and retold in every culture and every conceivable way and every circumstance and every setting. And I just don't know that this ultimately brings that much new or fresh to it um, to make it truly, like, commendable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it does bring to it great acting, I yeah. thought. I, uh, I was very surprised. Um, by both? I, I, by what? The acting? Uh, yeah, by, by both leads acting. Oh, yeah, by both leads acting. Um, I, was, I was prepared to hate this movie. Mm. And I spent a good part of it hating this movie in spite of myself. Mm. Um, and I, I, basically, this felt to me like uh, Trump's America's La La Land. <laughs> the aesthetics, this music. I mean, it was hard to watch. Um, wow. Yeah, really. You came in knives out. I'm sorry, it's true. And then by the end of it, I was completely sold on the story, sold on the, their chemistry. 
um, sold on just the humanity of it, and uh, and I loved it. Who knew? I mean, the best song in the in the movie is um, LCD Sound System by far. Oh sure, um, and I will point out Trump's America comment aside um, that it's not in Trump's America that Bradley Cooper would meet Lady Gaga in a drag bar. Uh, I mean, he's not like it's not the most. I felt like that drag bar scene was like um, I don't know the least you could do. I still, I mean, at least, well, maybe the, it's, maybe it's not their fault that the people in, in my viewing laughed in ways that I didn't feel like were on our side. Interesting. Um, you didn't think they were. And it was the press trainer. <laughs> <laughs> so who knows? Um, You're like, Nick LaSalle was just, was chortling really, in a way that I found derisive. It, yeah. I don't know. It just felt like a, it didn't feel inclusive of the, the drag scene. I don't know. It, something about it felt very um, like, like checking a box. Huh? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's checking a box in the sense that it's acknowledging Gaga's sort of origin story as having come up through drag bars and having mm-hmm. been, you know, like kind of, um, yeah, just the massive piece of her fan base that is queer and, you know, that she's been a drag icon before anyone even knew who she was. Um, and uh, it should be pointed out, Rebecca would not know this, that there were two famous RuPaul's Drag Race alumni um, that star in these uh, in this scene of the film, uh, Shangela and Willem. Mm. And um, and they are both very funny. And they bring them back later on in the movie, too, which is show Allie's character mm-hmm. fa- uh, FaceTiming with them while she's on the road. Uh, and I do also think in this scene, um, Lady Gaga makes quite a splash in her first full song. Um, perf- yeah, she does. Performing um, La Vie en Rose, the Edith Piaf song, um, with these magnificent Piaf brows, mm-hmm. these pencil brows, and on singing live and sounding just, I mean, her voice in this movie is beyond. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, like, it's just so strong and rich and clear and deep uh, at, at every moment. Um, and it's all the more m- remarkable that it sounds that great that she was singing live the whole time. But... So in, that's actually my favorite scene the whole movie. Are you movie. crying right now? <laughs> wow. It's, it's all downhill after that scene for me. Um, I don't know. It's just, I don't know. The the drag scene just felt very, it, it felt regressive in a way. And I, I can't exactly, I can't exactly say why. Maybe it's because like, oh, look, it's a guy with boobs. Like it was very, I don't know. It didn't feel very, that part didn't feel very naturalistic. It felt um, like a movie. And they also have, Dave Chappelle playing a magical Negro. He is there, and he is there to impart wisdom um, about sobriety. That's true. Uh, yeah, no, I think that um, you know, I feel like I don't know. I'll, I'll vouch for I'll vouch for the drag scene just as somebody who goes to drag bars like five times a week. That <laughs> it felt it felt authentic to me. You know, there is that sense of you know, I like the idea of taking this Bradley Cooper character who is, you know, this kind of country rock superstar, which politically, to me, is unclear. Because if he was just a country singer, it'd be one thing. But it's almost like he is meant to be an update of, like, a Chris Christopherson type, of kind of like a mm. like an outlaw country, uh, you know, uh, just just not not what we understand today when we think about, like, Brad Paisley or, you know, Blake Shelton. Yeah, I was Blake Shelton um, was the, the only, like, analog I could make in my head of who he was kind right. of closest to in the yeah. world. That seemed like, you know, it was meant to be more of almost like a roots rock thing than a country thing. Yeah, we're like George Thorogood type situation. <laughs> sure. You know, <laughs> some, you know, some, some Johnny Cash in there. Uh, it felt very much like a throwback to that kind of thing, but but he was like, is he like Creed? But he was no. dressed like he was in like the Eagles or something. Yeah. Uh, so just a kind of Americana country rock thing, and having him go into her turf, you know, in the drag bar, 
um, you know, and uh, and I, I don't think at any point, you know, I think he makes clear, he makes a point to not ever be like, and no, like point no. at like drag queens or be like, what is that? And, you know, he's a good sport. And Bradley Cooper chose to, you know, put these Rue girls in the one of the biggest movies of the year. So uh, I think that's that's kind of cool. But you can be mad. <laughs> I, think you're, I think you're looking for a reason to be mad. I at least win the, the Dave Chappelle argument. Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I found that storyline to be not one that I care about uh, in general. Um, and it literally, it, like, picks him up drunk off the ground, imparts wisdom on him leads him to his his big life decision and then is never seen again yeah i think that's true um i think that so i what i appreciate about the movie is i think that it really does make the um the substance abuse struggle the addiction struggle feel very real yeah um and it hits a lot harder than you're thinking it's going to hit um, it also includes a scene that lets Kanye off the hook for the most embarrassing thing ever done to a woman at an award show. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and some have said that that scene in particular maybe goes a little too far. Um, you know, into it goes into like sort of like almost camp territory. Yeah, a bit. But uh, I will say the way that on the way that that scene unfolds, um, uh, the, the way that it's shot and like that kind of like that like st- static shot where you just like see this thing start yeah. to happen. You're like, oh, boy. For characters, I thought, you know, I thought for sure at that point, I think I was just getting to the cusp of giving a fuck about it and not completely hating. I, mm-hmm. I, I was cringing. Um, I think like, that's when things started to take a turn for me. And I was like, oh, yeah. these are people. I'm into it. In spite of myself, yeah. once again, oh, yeah, so right. many twists. Right. And, you know, I did find myself, yeah, like, very invested in their relationship. I do think it loses some flow when it starts to, like, skip around. To be like, oh, now she's famous. And, yeah. uh, oh, now he's a wreck. And, uh, you know, I think that the it's it's funny that you said the second half is where you liked it more. Because I feel like the first half is stronger in a lot of ways. Or at least, like, it kind of, like, as it's doing its exposition, setting things up, um, the touch kind of works. And then, in the end, it just kind of is, just, like, jumping from sort of, like, milestone to milestone without mm-hmm. a lot of connective tissue. Uh, but uh, but ultimately, I think Bradley Cooper in particular in the final act is incredibly powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, just brings a sense of shame that feels so real. Mm-hmm. And you and I know what we're talking about yeah, here. Too we're, real. We're ashamed people. Uh, and yeah, Gaga is good. Uh, her final scene uh, is also, I'm guessing, going to be her Oscar clip. What do you think? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Were you choked up watching that? No. Uh, yes. Did you really? Oh. Yeah. Ugh, I hate myself. <laughs> wow, so this really took you on a journey. Like I know. you went you went in there just like I'm gonna give this the hardest slam ever given it's any also, movie. It's also been, it's been a weird week and, and there's just you know some I don't know. One day we'll find the movie that makes you cry too. <laughs> I mean I hope so. Um so did you so did you actually like any of the music in this movie? Yeah, L C D sound system. Any of the original music in the movie performed no. by Gaga or Bradley Cooper? No, I did not. What did you think of Bradley Cooper's new speaking voice? Is that how did that happen? Yeah, apparently, he trained really hard to like bring his voice down to full octave wow. for this whole movie. So um, the Sam Elliott up, winds up sounding like Sam Elliott, who's also in the movie. <laughs> uh, I liked it. Yeah, it's yeah, something. You? Yeah, no, I like it too. Yeah, he really commits. Uh, do what Oscars, if any, do you think this movie should be nominated for? Ooh, that's like maybe best director. I'm pausing. <laughs> you see her face, guys. It's taking me on a ride. <laughs> Oof. Um. I don't know. I don't know. People's choice. <laughs> they pulled back on that, didn't they? 
comes from the people. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. they, they, yeah, I don't think we talked about that on the show yet, but yes, as you all may, you may, if you listen to the show, you know that we were among the many outraged people about the you know, creation of the popular film category, the mm-hmm. Oscars, and that has been suspended indefinitely nice. while they re-examine it. All those letters uh, you wrote. Yes. Uh, so, okay, but your first instinct was to say director. I, it was, yeah. Yeah. So that's, how about you? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I think that, I think it, well, I'm trying to think if there's like a should versus will. I, I think that it will be nominated for picture. It could very well be nominated for director. I think it likely will be nominated for best actor and for best actress. Um, I think no supporting. Um, actor I, I can see too. Yeah. I don't think screenplay. Um, I could see it being considered for maybe for like cinematography, maybe for like editing. Mm. I think okay, certainly that's enough. original song is certainly where it stands the best chance of winning. Yeah. The piano one uh, for either. Well, I think you, you mean the song at the end. Yeah. No, so, no, no, no. The, the, the song she performs her second last performance. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. That's a good one too. Uh, and there's also uh, shallow, the song that everyone first heard from this movie with Gaga's infamous. Ah, 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 sounds just like that mm-hmm. it was the whale that woke a nation <laughs> uh so uh and uh but yeah it's 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 likely to be a contender we're going to be talking about this movie whether we like it or not for at least the next six months so settle in what are you giving it jason you know i would say that for me i feel mm, i feel comfortable giving it a consume moderation yeah same okay because so even though it won you over you still think i mean it's- i might say binge it I'm really? gonna say binge it. Yeah, I'm, oh. I hate myself. I don't know what I'm saying. Oh my god, this is this is this is a moment. I know. I, I'm gonna go with it. You know. Wow. I'm just gonna let go and let uh, let, let Gaga. Ah, oh, there you go. <laughs> a Star Is Born is rated R for language throughout, some sexuality, nudity, and substance abuse. And that brings us to our second movie of the week, The Old Man and the Gun, which is our pick of the week. At the age of 70, Forrest Tucker makes an audacious escape from San Quentin, conducting an unprecedented string of heists that confound authorities and enchant the public. Wrapped up in the pursuit are Detective John Hunt, who becomes captivated with Forrest's commitment to his craft, and a woman who loves him in spite of his chosen profession. Jason, you have the pleasure of seeing this movie. Um, I imagine that this is something that really um, hits you near and dear to your heart. Old people in love. <laughs> Texas, robbery. It's all, my, wells. it's all my buttons. Charmers. Yeah. No, I was, I was fully... Movie had my number. Mm-hmm. It did. It did. Sissy Spacek. Sissy Spacek. I mean, that's the one piece of the movie that truly did have my number. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! And she's been calling. She's been ringing off the hook. <laughs> it's been crazy. Uh, yeah, this is a movie that I saw at TIFF. It made my top ten of TIFF. Just mm. uh, this past TIFF. Yeah, just this past TIFF. And um, it's a movie that I didn't expect to like charm me off my feet the way that it did. Mm. Um, it is directed by David Lowry, who did mm. Ain't the Body Saints, A Ghost Story, and the Pete's Dragon remake. Lovely. Yes. Um, and, and apparently it's something that he had been working on um, since he brought his first movie, Ain't the Body Saints, to Sundance. And this story is going to sound problematic after what I just said earlier. <laughs> uh, but uh, basically he brought this movie to Sundance. And then Robert Redford saw it and responded to it quite a bit. And then reached out to David Lowry and um and with this this new yorker article um that is the the chronicle of the cuz this is a true story mm. a true ish story um based on a new yorker article about this this guy um forest who was you know who was like a in his 70s and who had pulled off no fewer than 18 jailbreaks over the course of his life wow 
Man, you talk about white privilege. I know. Wow. I know. No, that also, that thought occurred to me also when I was watching the movie. I think there's at least one scene where they show him, like, getting arrested, and he, like, makes a little gun with his hand with his little twinkle in his eye. And I'm like, yeah, if you were black, you'd be shot dead right now. Absolutely. Yeah, there's a, a scene in the in the trailer where it's like, well, he seems so nice. He seems like such a nice guy. And all you could think of are the, like, these are the photos they show when they arrest a white guy versus these are the photos that they show on the news when they arrest a black guy. Sure. Although it's worth pointing out that Danny Glover is in his um, posse. Uh, oh. So it's not just only white men um, in this in this group. It's Danny Glover and Tom Waits. Uh, mm. Let me tell you, they let Tom Waits have all the best lines in this movie, and he does a lot with them. Nice. This is this is the kind of this is what we all want to see Tom Waits doing in movies. Mm-hmm. Um, he is a a delight. He is if they, if they want the movie to be delightful and fun, they they did the right thing by putting Tom Waits in it. Um, among many right things that they did. So basically, um, Redford had read this article. And had seen, I think, potential in it uh, to become a, a story, to become a movie. And so he uh, worked for years developing it with Lowry while Lowry made two other movies. And uh, and then uh, and then kind of Redford did want to apparently just make it a bit more fun. They do leave out, I guess, some of some maybe darker, more melancholic details. The string from, of rapes. From, for instance, uh, from uh, from the characters' lives. Uh, and then what David Lowry didn't know until he'd already made the movie was that Redford had then decided that this was going to be his last movie as an actor. And so he has uh, since announced, uh, and now he's kind of, I think he's starting to waffle mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, but he, in a number of interviews, was like, yeah, this but is... he was in Peace Dragon, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, okay. And uh, so uh, he was like, yeah, this is going to be hit for me. And uh, so we don't know, just like with Daniel Day-Lewis and, you know, uh, uh, Cher, you never know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when they say they're going to uh, retire, usually it seems like it's not the case. Um, but if this were to be Redford's last performance, it would be the best possible last performance imaginable. Mm-hmm. Um, because it just pays such like just gorgeous, uh, loving tribute to his entire kind of beautiful cr- face. Well, I mean, it's not so be- not so beautiful anymore. Um, but uh, but I mean, he but he wears his his ravaged, grizzled face well. Uh, but just even just what he's represented in cinema, like the characters that have made him famous, like you know, like the Butch Cassidy and Sundance mm-hmm. Kid movies, and uh, you know, just all all the kind of just like the rakish charmers that he played. Um, this is the ultimate uh, in that in that line. And, uh, and yeah, it's just so affectionate. And I'm not even, like, I'm not a giant Robert Redford fan. I haven't even seen, I think, almost any of those movies. Um, you know, but certainly when they showed his face uh, <laughs> in, like, flashback in this, I was like, oh, you know, Time like... Time to go back, retrospective. Uh, a little nurse. <laughs> uh, so um, I'm more of a Paul Newman myself. Um, oh, not well, I mean... In two, I should say. I'm, I'm like, you know, people always call me a Newman. Um, <laughs> I hope they don't mean Scientology. <laughs> You're like, thank you, thank you. You're like, listen, don't buy into this idea that you can only have one. Be an American. Take them both. I mean, you're going to end up getting Dennis Hopper, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> let the cards fall where they may. Yeah. So, yeah, so even me not having been a part of the sort of, like, the mythology of Robert Redford over the years, uh, I was just so fully won over by him in this film. Uh, And in particular, his chemistry with Sissy Spacek, who, of course, is a peer uh, of his, uh, although I think he got started a little earlier than she did, um, but they were both some of the biggest actors in the world in the 70s, Mm -hmm. and have never made a movie before together. Insane. And um, and they, you would think they've been making movies together since they were kids. So natural and immediate is their chemistry in this movie, and so relaxed mm. and natural. It is a marvel. It is, it is old fashioned star power. 
Mm. You know, people had faces then. Uh, oh, you know, uh, <laughs> what's happening before my eyes? <laughs> it's like where'd that long cigarette holder come from? <laughs> uh, no, I mean it is like it's stars have mean different things in different eras, and this is very much a tribute to the kind of star power that made people famous in the seventies. And um, and uh, and so it feels and 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 they have star power that stood the test of time. And, uh, and there was something about it that just feels like, um, I don't know, sort of like a tonic to our times, not only in the sense of, you know, sort of like this more traditional, uh, enduring idea of, uh, of, of stardom and fame and acting, um, but even the idea that this movie is all about the kind of honor among thieves thing, um, mm. because Forrest Tucker and his, uh, gang of, of peepaws, um, you know, as they hint at in the trailer, were kind of thought of, they weren't uh, thought of as like these like horrible criminals because when they would rob these banks, they would do it in such like a friendly, pleasant way uh, that somehow like left the bill behind being just like, you know, I can't say that I feel bad about what happened. I feel like he was, he, he made me happy, he made me smile. Um, and, uh, you know, and for Forrest Tucker, the way the movie makes it seem is that like he was doing it as a vocation. It was like the thing that he was good at. He was good at mm. breaking out of prisons, and he was good at going and robbing banks. And um, so he was just like, oh, I'm, just gonna, I'm just doing what I'm here to do. Uh, you know, like, I, you can't keep me down. This <laughs> is just like, it's just it's like breathing for me. Uh, it's just what I do. And so to watch a movie about, you know, these like thieves who are just like kind and decent and respectful and caring, especially right now where, you know, our leaders uh, who are supposedly the good guys are the opposites of all those things. Um, you know, it just feels refreshing. And as David Lowry has made it very clear in his last few movies that he really knows how to give you like a leisurely pace, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, and to make a movie feel not rushed. And, um, but he's never done it to a really enjoyable effect before because Ain't the Body of Saints and Ghost Story were both very mm -hmm. kind of like somber. Uh, and then Pete's Dragon also was very somber. Mm. Um, but this one is, it's just a charmer. It's a full on delight. Like I watched this movie smiling, like from beginning to end. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it just, it just fully taught me, it took me by surprise. It's just the best kind of throwback to like new Hollywood from the seventies, mm -hmm. um, in a way that stars born doesn't quite get. Mm. Um, so it's kind of funny that we're doing them back to back. I feel like it would be a good double header if you started off with, um, the sisters brothers and then ended with, um, the old man and the gun. Yeah, yeah, I could see them both working together as well. You uh, gotta go in that order, though. You can't go backwards. Right, right. But no, at the end of the day, it's a movie that lives and dies with Redford's performance. Uh, and uh, so, although it's funny, I think I just saw today um, Mick LaSalle uh, said about this movie, he was like, you know, Redford's remarkable here, but without his performance, you know, there's just not much going on. And then I flash back to uh, one of our San Francisco Films uh, Critics Circle voting meetings a few years back when we were debating giving Best Actress to Isabelle Huppert for Elle. And, um, and somebody said, like, well, but, you know, if it wasn't her playing the part, then, you know, why would we... Oh, no, it's because I think we were voting for Elle for Best Foreign Language Film. I think that mm. was the issue. And, uh, and this guy was like, well, but, you know, if it wasn't her in the part, then we, you know, it wouldn't be a, as good of a movie. And Nick LaSalle, like, was like, well, I have um, some good news for you. Uh, in every print of this movie that will ever exist or be seen, she's going to be in it. 
Uh, and so it was just like scalding Mick LaSalle shade. Um, but, uh, and then today he basically just like said exactly what that guy said and was like, listen, without Redford's performance, uh, is it much of a movie? Can you, can you tweet at him with, I don't want to start flame for war. you. <laughs> right, right. In every, in every one of this movie. <laughs> Redford will always be playing that part. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're, you're a good guy. Until we use deep fakes to replace him. <laughs> they gotcha. They gotcha. Right. And exactly. Until Christopher Plummer replaces him. Exactly. <laughs> Late breaking scandal. Mm-hmm. So this is your pick of the week. It is my pick of the Run week. Run out and go see it. This feels like a Saturday morning movie to me. Yeah, I know. Well, you have unique ideas about what Saturday morning movies yeah, are. Yeah, it's either cartoons or it's um, uh, bloodbaths. This one fits right in between. <laughs> yes, it's a binge it from me. Uh, and I can't I wait to see it. I, I saw the trailer and I, I got very excited. It's very, very good. Um, unlike the... No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the the next movie is a little bit out of the... Uh, the first three kind of have a similar autumnal... Uh, I don't know. Autumnal... Big Hollywood vibe to them. Sure. Here we have a documentary, which is Matangi Maya M.I.A. Drawn from a never-before-seen cachet of personal footage spanning decades, this is an intimate portrait of the Sri Lankan artist and musician who continues to shatter conventions. Jason, are you going to do your M.I.A. impression? I will not, because that would be appropriation. Mm-hmm. See, I, I do pay attention. I do. Um, I was just singing Bad Girls. Um, it's true. I was, um, but I was doing it in a very thin, probably pretty white voice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So barely there. No harm, no foul. So here we have this documentary about MIA. (laughs) Uh, finally, what you've been asking for for so so long, for sure. Um, Rebecca, how would you describe, um, your history of being aware of MIA as an artist sure. and what you have thought about her and mm-hmm. and what you think about her now. Um, my history with MIA is really closely associated with um, the website Pitchfork. Mm. I feel like that's where I maybe heard about her and that's where I, you know, got updates and I know the popular songs and that's all I have. I am not what you would call a fan. I mean, I'm not, mm-hmm. not a fan. I'm just like, all I know are the radio songs. And have you followed uh, much press coverage about her over the years? I know that she was pregnant at some point, and which was she like did a show right up until the moment she gave birth or something. Um, and that's again, once again, that's all I know because that was on Pitchfork. And you might know about when she was on the Super Bowl. No. No, when she performed with Madonna. No, when she flipped off the camera. N- did not know that. Was fined sixteen million dollars by the NFL. Sixteen million dollars. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, they, they charged her $1 million for every second she was on camera, even though she only flipped it off for, like, less than one. Wow. You uh, know, I'm starting to think the NFL <laughs> is, like, kind of racist. Might be shitty. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, um, <clears throat> something to think about. I don't know, later. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, yeah, I also, I, I listened to, um, I think I was still in college at Kent whenever her first album came out, came out which... For all these years, for the last 14 or 15 years since it came out, I have been pronouncing Argular. Not correct. Not correct. Uh, what is it? N- not super far off either, but it's um, it's Arular. Ah. And it is her father's name. Okay. Um, I did not know that, nor did I know that the, her second album, her, her greatest, most perfect album, Kala, is named after her mother. Yeah, didn't know any of that shit. I'm ready for trivia. Um, so uh, yeah, so I listened to her from you know for those first two albums when she was the toast of the musical world, 
And um, and then, you know, she seemed like she kind of got started to get like a little weird because um, her third album, um, which I believe was, uh, I think it was called, was it the one that was that the one that's called Matangi? No, it was the one that had um, Break Free on it. I don't know if you remember, there was a very controversial imagined genocide if it was being carried out against redheaded people. Mm, yeah. And it was incre- it's incredibly mm-hmm. violent mm-hmm. and it was very controversial. Mm-hmm. And so that album kind of broke from the, uh, the more... Um, kind of accessible uh sort of clubby kind of vibes of the first two albums and um and then that seemed to really just make her fall out of favor around the same time she was getting a lot of very negative press coverage uh because she uh you know she is sri lankan she is tamil and uh and she always made a point to comment about that in interviews and she sang about her songs and you know, in the late aughts, we were not where we are now. Mm-hmm. Um, and she kind of got crucified for being like sort of like some dumb woman um, who kept trying to bring politics mm-hmm. into what she did. And what she was always dinged for was not sounding articulate, uh, not sounding eloquent, um, sounding uninformed. Um, and um, and there are when you watch this documentary, um, your blood will boil at some of these things like there's. There's like a, 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 a interview where she went on real time with Bill Maher. No, um, first mistake. Yeah, and um, and she's like the featured interview at the beginning, and um, and she is like talking about the you know civil war in Sri Lanka and uh, and the way that the Tamils are being murdered by the government, and um, and uh, and he's like, boy, he's like, you know, for somebody who's Sri Lankan, you sure don't sound like it, huh, <laughs> huh, huh, <laughs> huh. And she just kind of is like looking at him and she's like, oh, yeah. And he's like, uh, and she's like, well, you know, if you if if any other person, she's like, well, that's because I'm the Sri Lankan sitting across from you right now. Hmm. Uh, so I'm, you know, so I'm you're hearing it in my voice. And he's like, huh, so, so, so you're saying, so you're saying that if I were to go to Sri Lanka, they'd all have Cockney accents, huh? <laughs> huh? 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 <laughs> uh. And, uh, and she's just like doing her best to like keep her cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, so yeah, just that kind of bullshittery. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then like, um, the most notorious one that comes up in this movie, um, Lynn Hirschberg profiled her for the New York times magazine and, um, and, and just basically wrote like New York times has a particular style of like understated shade, um, mm-hmm. where they use little details to make someone sound like a total fucking idiot. Mm. And um, and the whole article was t- called something like "radical chic." Um, and basically, it was like, "Oh yeah, MIA is full of shit. She's just doing this for like posturing." Mm. And there was like a this the most notorious line that like burned down the internet that day. That day um, was like, "There's a line <laughs> where she's like, yeah, she's like, I guess I'm kind of a radical and revolutionary." Uh, she said as she took a bite from a truffle fry. Um, mm. And then MIA, back then we wouldn't call it this, but today we would say she clapped back. Um, by producing <laughs> audio of the interview uh, in which uh, it's made clear that Lynn Hirschberg in ordered the truffle fries and put oh, them in front of her. Oh, shit. Yes. Wow. Uh, so, uh, and that yeah. internet, that probably happened like days later too, not yeah. like immediately. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, it's been, it's been, uh, it's been, it's been a, t- a tough road for her. And then there was the, um, she was chosen by Madonna to come and do a guest verse along with Nicki Minaj on a single called Gimme All Your Lovin'. Um, that came out around the time that Madonna performed the Super Bowl, and then she brought Nikki and MIA to the Super Bowl halftime show to perform the song with her. And uh, MIA um, flipped off the camera as she delivered the line, I don't give a shit. And, uh, and they chronicle this in excruciating detail uh, in this movie to the point where, like, 
they have cameras like the camera is rolling in her dressing room while she's still in her like celebratory mode and she's like oh she's like oh it's so funny that you know she's like oh I did that for Madonna because like all these NFL assholes are just like talking to her like she's nothing and telling her what to do and telling her what to wear and uh, she's like I get to do say the things that she can't say because she's Madonna so she's not allowed to say that so I'm going to be the one who says it for her and oh, no. and then you see like some like white man come in with his face blurred and he's like uh yeah hi um I'm with the NFL and she's like yeah hi and he's like we need to talk about this and like shoves a middle finger in her face oh no and uh and uh, and we're like oh we're watching it start right now oh shit um so uh yeah so it's it's stuff like that and uh and so I think what this movie does is so so basically MIA has kind of been written off over the mm. last like over the last eight years, she's fallen out of favor. Um, and, you know, and she's been start. you know, people talk about her almost like she's like not quite Azalea Banks level. Mm. Um, but yeah, that she's like, oh, like she's, she's, she's not represented herself well. Um, she's made musical choices that people don't like or understand. Uh, she had the whole Super Bowl moment. Uh, and, um, you know, and she, I, she made a comment recently, apparently that I, I didn't realize until I was reading about this movie. Um, she was asked about um, Beyonce's uh, Super Bowl performance, and uh, and you know like holding the Black Power fist and everything. And MIA kind of like diminished it a little bit and was like, "Well, she's like, it's not really politically risky, though, is it? To mm. to speak out for Black people in America, that's not like a risk. Like that's a pretty safe choice to make." Um, and she's like, "You know, for me as like a British Tamil." to be trying to draw attention to an ongoing genocide in my country against my people uh, that is being, act, you know, actively, um, you know, snuffed out by the government of my country. Uh, you know, she's like, it's just a different thing. And um, and then everyone's like, we're done with you forever. You're done. Because um, I mean, it may seem like she was diminishing Black Lives Matter. Um, you can't diminish Beyonce as a thing. But I yeah. mean, at the same time, I, you know, kind of as a point. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, she kind of does. As, I mean, as a black person mm-hmm. in America is... A little safer than yeah no I mean she, oh still not great no need to no, no need to like right to, cut pit, ranks. to pit them against each but other yeah you can to, understand that she's right. frustrated at the treatment she's been she's received yeah no absolutely so the thing that I was reminded of most watching this movie is how women in particular uh, you know in the public eye are made to seem like crazy people um, when they do things that look to us like acting out and we don't find out any of the backstory mm. and then much later we find out what's going on is it, this gonna end up in a story about Lindsay Lohan. I mean, probably. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, listen, she was trying to protect those kids. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know the story, but I love that. Uh, oh, do you, wait, did you really not see this? No. When she, there was like, she like attacks what appears to be like a homeless family um, and starts like, ye- and starts like yelling at them that like, are you trafficking these children? And you're a disgraced Arabic culture. And like, it's, 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 and then, the, like, then she gets punched in the face. When did this happen? This happened like a few days ago. Oh shit. No. Yeah. So like, my, my girlfriend was just telling me it was something else. I feel like it was something else about Lindsay Lohan. And we, we were just watching a stand up one of those like short stand up specials on Netflix. They're, they're really good. I, right. they, like, oh yeah. All, they go through mm-hmm. like five at a time. And yeah. this one guy was like, uh, something about the, the best, the best new show on was the it Mateo Lane? It's yes, Mateo Lane. Yes, yeah, I watched that one. Lindsay Lohan's Instagram. Also, it's unfair how gorgeous that guy is. Yeah, he's beautiful. It's man. ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no, it, it's true. And then like, in, and then she's resilient because she bounced back, and like two days later, she's posting the Mean Girls is October third uh, <laughs> thing on the Instagram wow. as, as if she never had attacked like a homeless family and accused them of trafficking children and yelled at them in like broken Arabic. So, um, what? Okay, it's a remarkable thing. So she's uh, like the new Alex Jones. 
She kind of is. Nice. Um, but I support this one. I don't know. But I didn't think she was selling. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, no, what it remains. So, yeah. So, there's there's that kind of context. And we like to, you know, laugh at, you know, women and mock them and take them down. And um, and it made me think of Sinead O'Connor. Ah. When Sinead O'Connor tore up the picture of the Pope mm-hmm. on Saturday Night Live in, like, mm-hmm. 1991. Um, and, you know, in... None of us asked the question of like, well, why? Right. And, and and if we did, we did it rhetorically. We didn't want actually for her to say why. And it wasn't until like years later, I think I probably one of her like behind the music or something, where she said that it was actually, you know, it was an act of protest um, because that's when news was first really starting to come out about the Vatican covering mm-hmm. up child sexual abuse. And she had been abused as a child sexually coming up in the Catholic Church. And so she was protesting um, the Pope's complicit nature in all that abuse. And I remember just when I first heard that, it like, it's just a thing where you're looking back at this very clear memory you have and just suddenly a whole different like palette comes over it. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, oh, oh, that's what watching this entire movie is like for like basically everything I've ever thought about mm-hmm. MIA. Um, it, also, it, it reminds you a little bit, uh, you saying that reminds you of like oh, Tanya yeah, and right. you see like the Matt Lauer interview and, and mm-hmm. all that and you're just like, oh, right. There's so much context I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, that makes this person look crazier than they are. Anyway, so so did you enjoy this? Yeah, I did. Uh, it's a really interesting uh, way to do a documentary. It's very sort of, um, it lacks a lot of the usual, let's say it again, connective tissue of a documentary. Mm-hmm. There's no, uh, there's no um, talking head interviews. There's no real titles that come up on the screen. There's no like, because uh, it, 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 what it turns out is that MIA, before she wanted to become a musician, she wanted to be a documentary filmmaker. And so this is, again, one of those movies where there's, like, oops, like, surprise, there's an enormous treasure trove of mm. archival video going back to the very beginning, going back to when she was just, like, living the life of a, you know, of a Tamil immigrant in a council estate in England, uh, you know, with her siblings and with her mother, because her father, who founded the Tamil resistance movement, um, which is, like, a, a significant thing. Yeah, that's huge. Um, you know, because she's kind of saying the big and she was like, you know, what do you do when your father, you know, abandons you to become a terrorist? Um, you know, or, you know, at least do something that's considered, and that's the word she uses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but certainly that's the way that the Tamil resistance is, is framed by the government. Uh, or at least that's the way it's presented here. I do not pretend to speak with any authority about, yeah, no about Sri Lanka. About. And uh, and uh, so, yeah, this is just the, the the narrative that comes through in this film and what her truth is. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, so she's just, you know, it's just her and her mother and her two siblings growing up. Yeah, as, yeah Tamil immigrant refugees. They left as refugees. Um, and, uh, and, you know, and just watching her, uh, you know, and her connection to discovering music and, and listening to pop music at first. Um, but then hearing the, you know, the bass from hip hop playing from around the council estate and then being completely transformed by that mm. um, and just finding the love of that um, in her bones. And um, another interlude in her life that I had no idea about is that she was best friends with Justine Frischman from Elastica while, oh. while Elastica was like huge. So mm. she was basically like their like tour documentarian. So there's all this like footage of her like going back like backstage with Elastica um, you know, filming them, and she was the director for one of their videos. Wow. Um, but um, but then that's kind of where her, the beginning of her chafing, um, against sort of like the vapidity of like fame and mm. popular music, mm-hmm. and um, you know, because I think for her, she definitely carries this the constant burden 
of being you know, a pop star. Uh, well, she carries a constant burden of being a refugee mm-hmm. and a feeling like I need to always use my platform to draw attention to this because this is a situation that's not over yet. Right. And so, uh, you know, so yeah, when she, I think in the trailer, she's like, how do I go from what are the goalposts when you go from being, um, you know, a, a refugee to a pop star? Um, it honestly made me think of this movie from TIFF this year called Vox Lux, the one where Dan Lee Portman um, plays um, a school shooting survivor who becomes a pop star. Oh, my. Um, and uh, yeah, just this sort of like unlikely origin story things. Interesting. Um, but, uh, but whereas in that movie, she is trying to shirk any added responsibility that people want to project onto her mm. because of her background. Um, in this, you know, MIA is constantly using her platform very uh, mindfully to advocate for um, awareness of what's happening in Sri Lanka. Um, as she's like, you know, becoming one of the biggest buzzies acts in like late aughts indie. Mm-hmm. Um, but then she's punished for it. Everyone's like, shut up. Like you, right. you're not doing yourself any favors. No one wants to hear you talk about this. Um, and um, yeah, and just kind of treat her very, very disrespectfully. Did not believe what she said. Made you find the way she said it. Um, and uh, yeah, just a lot of stuff that I feel like if, if it was happening today would get called out in a major way. Um, and she kind of is unfortunately kind of just one of those female casualties of that era. Well, I mean, she's still young. Um, she might have a resurgence. Wow. Okay. We yeah. all got old. <laughs> Fuck. Are you kidding me? She's 43. She's 43. Oh my God. I, I was not prepared for that information. And she is, I must say, I never really like noticed oh this before. Oh my God. 43. She is ravishingly beautiful. I thought she was like 28. Yeah. <laughs> she's Fuck. forever 28. Yeah, no, because when you think back, that like, yeah, no, like, I'm not, no, I will not. Alaska was the mid '90s. I didn't, I didn't know that either. That doesn't, that I was confused about it at the time when you said it. I didn't believe you. I was gonna let you finish your little thought out. <laughs> You're like, uh, it's like you, you mean the kills. Um, so what are you gonna get this one, Jason? This one's a binge it for me. Oh shit! I really feel like so, even though it doesn't have, um, it's not you know your traditional sort of you know bio documentary. Um, it's interesting because it just doesn't. It doesn't follow the usual path. It's not telling a usual story. Um, and so it almost is less about MIA, the you know the woman, the myth, uh, than it is uh, just this examination of her very unique path. And like how somebody who comes from, um, who is a refugee, somebody who comes from a situation uh, like Sri Lanka, um, any sort of situation where awareness needs to be paid and, you know, where there needs to be um, advocacy done, how does that person um handle that mm-hmm. uh when they uh become a public figure and um so and like when do you speak up how do you speak up um no it's really um it's really incredible it doesn't i wouldn't say i think it probably leaves a lot of questions unanswered um in terms of or like they almost they come so close to showing you the very beginning they showed the very beginning of that famous performance she did when she was like nine months pregnant mm, yeah. and she mm-hmm. was rapping on stage with like Jay-Z and someone else. I can't remember who. Um, and maybe Kanye. I don't know. Um, but, and it was just like, it was in that era where we had a lot of like badass nine months pregnant women doing things like that. Like when Amy Poehler mm. did the Palin rap oh, right, on right. SNL. Um, and uh, so, and MIA's up there doing paper planes. Uh, they showed the very beginning of that. And then they cut to um, horrifying footage of like, what's happening in Sri Lanka awesome. um, to be like, well, this is basically what tore her away right? Um, from being able to just like, Oh, I guess I should enjoy being famous. And then she's like, Oh, just kidding. Like the civil war is now worse than ever. And here I am like being expected to like go and do these like photo shoots and interviews and like promote my album. And then I want to talk about this and everyone's like, why are you talking about that? No mm-hmm. one cares. Um, you know, just be fun. 
Um, so, uh, yeah, so it's, it's very interesting stuff and, um, and I think it's, it's, it's worth seeing whether you're a fan or not. There's interesting stuff here. Uh, it's unrated, but it would probably be R for language and violent images. Um, that one really touched you. You are really feeling her her pain. I am. Yeah, yeah no, this I, one's really got you. I feel like yeah, because I mean, I feel like I did go with everyone else and and just kind of write her off. Mm, it is. It's also uh, uh, another. It's a weird week for another stories yes. of women being uh, well, silenced and made to sound hysterical. And that's actually uh, there was the Guardian ran an article that linked this movie um, to Christine Blasey Ford to really? Doctor Ford. And, you know, and then it was like, you know, this is about women not being believed. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and then like Vulture wrote their own thing, like referencing the Guardian thing. And like it was said, like, believing women and the gaslighting of MIA was like the headline. Interesting. So, uh, yeah, no, it's interesting stuff. And I feel like, yeah, like, like I, Tanya, you walk away from this movie feeling like, oh, we owe her an apology. Mm -hmm. Like we really let her down. Well, we'll get on that. Now that you don't have to write about the Academy anymore, about the the People's Choice Award, you can start writing letters about this. Next cause found. Um, that is it. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Binge. Be sure to subscribe um, on your podcast app. Jason is on Twitter at Excess Baggage. I'm at Fight Balance. Thank you so much for listening. Bye, guys. Bye bye. Binging on movies with Rebecca and Jason. You made it to the end. That's amazing. There, there goes, goes the, the binge. binge.